0: Pudding people to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I'm your host Ken Seymour. Today, I have actress and producer Gloria Mann here to grace us with some very interesting new movie uh, news. You know, I I love new movie news especially after a period where we haven't had any stuff for a little while and I'm just I'm oh, I'm ready for it. So, how are you doing today? <laughs>
1: I'm good, thank you.
0: How are you? Ah, Fantastic. Uh, uh, I would say could, couldn't be better, but you have to leave room to grow. Just a little. It's <laughs> always
1: leaving room for growth.
0: Absolutely. Well, before we get too much into into the, the nitty-gritty of your new film, R.B.N.B., I would like to know a little more of what it is uh, that has created your process and how you got started. Uh, when did the acting bug bite you to begin with?
1: Well, I grew up with two amazing women uh, in my life. Uh, My mother, Yonka Mann, who was an actress in Florida and her best friend, Veronica Lake, who was my aunt Connie, essentially. Um, She came and lived with us for about 10 years on and off when I was growing up and the day she came, my mother said, "Um, this is, and before she could even say her name, uh, she put out her hand and she said, call me Aunt Connie. Mm-hmm. And so from that day on, I called her Aunt Connie and got to watch most of her movies with her as she explained films of that era. And it was just a front row seat to movies and that era, you know, the golden era of Hollywood and um paramount you know because she was on most of those films were paramount and um it was just it was incredible and usually it was just she and i
0: that's, so that's that's pretty amazing did did she ever just bust out something while you're watching the was like i remember when we were doing this. Oh, scene. oh
1: absolutely especially on i married a witch because she played <laughs> Uh, tricks on Frederick March she stuck he had to carry her and she put like weights put put weights on her so that he would oh man right before shooting so she had she that was actually her very favorite uh film that she ever did she loved it because she used to think of herself as rather witchy and you you know uh she had a, a wicked sense of humor
0: that's always the best. So, yeah. did she like guide you? It's like, okay, if you if you got you got the interest, it's like, oh well, if you're going to do this, here's here's the road you need to travel. What advice did she give you to just kind of put you on the right path?
1: You know, she called me Glow. That's what she her name for me was, and she would say Glow. She would just turn to me every so often. She'd say, Glow, uh, just don't ever forget who you are, and don't ever be afraid to be who you are or speak up. She spoke up a lot and people, um, you know, gave her a bad reputation because of it. She didn't put up with a lot. And looking the way that she did, I mean, I I don't know if I could have handled looking like that, being born. I mean, I think she, I'm not saying this because she was my my aunt Connie, but um, I think she's one of the, one of the great beauties and and a brilliant, I think she was a brilliant actress as well.
0: Well, I always like to uh, look at it this way. Joan Jett had a bad reputation and people loved her for it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Veronica Lake movie?
0: Uh, it, it's hard to say. I I have quite quite a number that I've enjoyed over the years, but I, I probably couldn't point to a specific one. The whole era just has a sheen to yes, it that you it don't does. get. Yes, I mean, yeah. It, it in a way, it was. It was. They were still. I don't know if I want to say finding footing, but you know, changing the way that the medium was being conveyed to the public, and and starting the first, uh, the first uh, bits and pieces that you started seeing crop up in multiple films, uh, as you know, the shorthand of film that you get that you start to learn. It's like, oh, that goes all the way back to a lot of those yeah. films.
1: You're absolutely right, and a lot of, you know, she was in a lot of the noirs, and a lot of women-led noirs, you know, like Barbara
0: Stanwyck, and
1: uh, so it it was groundbreaking what she did, truly.
0: So did you go straight into, like, an acting school? I know every every person's journey is different. I've, I've talked to so many people that, you know, I went to modeling first, right? I had no interest in acting, but I thought I'd give it a try. Did you just go so, so I, I know this is the direction I want to go?
1: I I knew, uh, I knew in high school, I was the vice president of the thespians in high school. Um, uh, so I knew in high school, and I, my, dream was to go to New York, but I wound up getting married and and having a child. So we decided, when my daughter was still a baby, to um, move to Los Angeles. I mean, to move to San Diego, I'm sorry. We moved to Los Angeles after San Diego. We moved to San Diego and I went to UC San Diego as an undergraduate and then got accepted into their graduate acting program. and when you know that's what that was my trajectory i wanted to get trained and i wanted to be a, a classically trained actor took took myself very seriously <laughs> well, yes. and my training so and then and then when i went to los angeles and then i moved to los angeles right after graduation and got a job um in know in a play and then i auditioned for a brand new this is interesting brand new play a little play that was it, it, They had equity. They have equity waiver in Los Angeles. So, um, which means that it has to be less than 99 seats. And if you're an equity union member, you can still do them. Well, I got this play and there was, I was the only woman in it. And there was a wonderful man named Mark Ruffalo who was in, it was called Avenue A and it wound up being his first play
0: that's got to be a, a kind of a special memory what totally memory totally what, what do you memory. remember okay you're 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 in the play and you're acting acting opposite mr Ruffalo what do you remember most about his performance or his his scenes with you what 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 is the what is the thing that you kind of keep in your mind from that
1: he had uh, Even then, and he was studying with Stella Adler then at the time, Uh, incredible presence, honesty, integrity. And so when you, when I looked in his eyes on stage, he was always present. We, we, we would always just get on this train and just ride this train. when we did the play every night, never knew where it was going to go. And it was exciting.
0: That always is – it reminds me of a question that I that I ask a lot of people that have done both theater and television and film. And if you – I mean, obviously, they each have their, their allure. But what about theater do you like that makes it its own special thing to you? I mean, I, I know – Everybody's got a preference, and nobody wants to go. I'm well. I would prefer to be, do all theater, but what? What about theater is is the thing that that you like that makes it uh, its own personality apart from doing everything else?
1: Well, it always feels like you're walking a tightrope without a net, and then I I always feel that when that's happening that I'm on the right track, and a lot of people don't like that. I like it. I like. um the not knowing element every single night. Um, sometimes when you have to shoot someone, a gun doesn't go off and then you have to figure out, and if you have, if, if part of the storytelling of the play is someone's supposed to die, <laughs> what do you do? Well, for instance, in I did a play called The Tooth of Crime uh, at the San Diego Repertory Theater and that actually happened. Somebody, uh-huh. the gun didn't go off so somebody grabbed a knife and stabbed himself to death (laughs) (laughs) and he was where he was supposed to shoot himself Mm -hmm. and it and it that was that those moments are especially fun because you have to stop yourself from laughing because you're watching an actor barely basically save his own life but there's something so hysterical about it because you know what's happening and you're grateful that they got themselves out of it and finished the story but there's something incredibly funny about it too
0: yeah but there's also And you can't
1: laugh you can't laugh but
0: well you shouldn't well you shouldn't <laughs> you have to you
1: know turn around and
0: uh, do your best uh it's 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 crying it's not laughter uh, See. no fun. right exactly
1: you know there used to be i had a teacher and i had a te- uh, eric christmas who was uh, my shakespeare teacher at uc san diego and he said laughing and laughing is like this you know you go and let would say and crying is like this and it, it, it was your your body was doing the same he was doing the same thing to show us how similar it was very funny he was he was a very funny actor did a lot of work.
0: I always enjoyed the immediate response that was that was the thing mm-hmm. that I liked getting that 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 crowd reaction if you do a scene that's you know supposed you know in- incredibly striking or or surprising and getting that little gasp from you know hundred two hundred people at a time that that's kind of a different different feeling than I, I would expect doing a take over and over and over again. But you get to get it exactly right when you do it that way. Yes,
1: and they they get to be part of the experience, don't they? Mm-hmm. The 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 theater experience, which is also very exciting to me. I, you know, I was I grew up in the theater, and I, I love it. I love doing Shakespeare. I love you know I love that. So
0: a lot of theaters have their own personalities too. Was there a specific theater that you you know were most fond of?
1: I love the Mark Taper Forum in Los Angeles. I worked there a lot. Um, I like, I I love the La Jolla Playhouse. And there was an old theater where I I did um, uh, a Sam Shepard play in New Mexico. Uh, This old theater in Albuquerque, New Mexico that actually had totem poles, totems on the wall. It was just a magnificent old theater. That so awesome. that was a special.
0: For those of our listeners that have had zero theater experience, that have only consumed it from the, the the audience, what is something that when you got into doing theater that you did not expect would be part of the process of getting things ready that's kind of a behind-the-scenes things that most people wouldn't think that you would have to do?
1: You mean in terms of preparation Mm -hmm. Uh, to, to, to get to literally go on stage? Mm -hmm. Well, I do a lot of preparation. I do yoga. I meditate. um, I have a very strict dietary regime. If I have a performance day, I really have to, it's almost like before I go on stage, I have to kind of, okay, check, 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 make sure everything's running. It really is to me like I'm like, I've got a, a, An engine going, and everything has to check out because this is our instrument. It's almost—I guess it would be uh, similar to someone who, you know, is a member of an orchestra, and they, especially if they're a trumpet player or a tuba player, and they—you have to do vocal, you know, exercises to make sure that you have muscularity. Um, You have to do vocal exercises so that your tongue works properly so that so that you your your diction reaches the back of the house. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't want to you just everything has to be in running order, so to speak,
0: must, (laughs) must articulate,
1: must articulate (laughs) As, as Hamlet says, speak. The speech, I pray you, as I pronounced it to you, trippingly off the tongue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's always that's always good stuff. But you develop multiple skills, all actors do, in trying to. Oh know, yeah. Come up with uh, you know as much as they can to bring to the parts that they're going to do. But one of the things that I saw that you were, uh, you're proficient in is as you were talking about vocalizing, singing. Uh, Yes, uh, jazz and Mm -hmm. was it blues?
1: Yes, blues. I've I sang a lot at the House of Blues in Los Angeles. Got to sing with some pretty amazing people. I did a blues trip by myself. Um, uh, It through Mississippi and Memphis, and just went to like the deepest, darkest blues. Um, places where there was just literally dirt on the floor. It was some woman's house and she was cooking. And then there'd be an amazing piano player. I mean, because I wanted to see, I sang that music a lot. And I said, I have to go where this music was born. I want to see where it was, where it came from. So that was, that was a life-changing experience. I got to meet Coco Taylor and her band Um, Got to sing with them. And it's just the people that you, when you travel alone, a woman traveling alone, you know, you get to, you get, you really, it's, it's great because you, 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 you're open to all of these experiences and people are very, um, they all want to be hospitable and take care. So I just had the most wonderful time doing that, going through the South
0: did you ever get starstruck get a chance to perform with somebody that just uh, either just truly amazed you in the process or that you were already aware of It's like i cannot wait for this
1: coco taylor was one of those um the uh there was some uh, somebody at the house of blues um oh my gosh i can't remember uh, there there were all these different blues bands that would come in through th- to the house of blues and I would get to d- join them because I didn't have my own band. So I would get to sing with them for the night and that was amazing. And it, I, I can't even remember off the top of my head now, but Coco Taylor and her band was one of those bands.
0: Well, maybe we flip it around. Let's say you were still in the process of doing, doing this tour If you could dream up any jazz or blues artist that you could perform with, who would it be?
1: John Lee Hooker. Uh, Um, Van. I I saw John Lee Hooker and um, Van Morrison on the uh, streets in New Orleans, and and it was incredible. Um, Etta James. Um. Uh. You know, it's just. So many great, great artists.
0: Yeah, I know. A friend of mine was trying to criticize John Lee Hooker once, and I just asked him how. How?
1: How How? Albert King? (laughs) I saw him when I was on that trip. He just stayed in a car all night, and he had the door open. He was drinking out in the back seat of his car, and and he just was he just pulled up and just was listening, Uh, like had the car open so he could listen. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um bb king oh yeah got to see him, him. Mm-hmm. so much fun but that's not the only set of skills that i saw you had and i had to ask about a, a couple of these as well um stage combat so yes <laughs> so uh, when, when we talk stage combat are we talking about uh the rapier or or were you uh fully conversant in all of the wooden and metal implements of destruction
1: well the rapier and the and of course sword fighting but i actually expanded my repertoire doing uh rbnb because the part uh called for her to be a real enthusiast a fitness enthusiast but basically kickboxing and there are several fight scenes that I actually had to do. We had a, an incredible fight choreographer named Scott Blackwood that came out from Los Angeles to choreograph our fight scenes. And so I trained for two months for five hours a day, every day to prepare myself to play Jennifer in RBNB. So it, now it go, it, it's gone into kickboxing and actual fighting. Now, are we is, are we
0: talking about American kickboxing? Or are we talking about Muay Thai?
1: No, we're talking about American kickboxing. Oh, okay. Yes, going to say I, I,
0: <laughs> that would be a very different presentation because I can see you get those those arms up like this and just get the yeah. knees going. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, yes. So, but it was, but it, but it really, um, it informed my character having that skill. So
0: now, did you also get to use your poker dealing skills?
1: That I didn't do in this uh in this one no but that got me through uh undergraduate school helped me pay for my education in okay. San Diego I dealt cards uh, in San Diego as an undergrad when I was
0: an undergraduate Oh I bet you got some- <laughs> I bet you have some stories from that Oh
1: my gosh I don't know if we can do tell those publicly <laughs>
0: What well give me give me one give me one crazy thing that happened while you were dealing cards at the casino.
1: Okay, uh so I was dealing, it was a big pot. Uh some of the boys, if you get my drift, they usually spend time in Las Vegas. You know, the when I say the boys, I mean as in goodfellas those yes. those boys <laughs> uh, they were they were sitting they must have been in town for something and they were sitting at the table and i was this was a big game and there was a lot of money in there and uh it got down to these two guys and one of them lost as it, the and the guy just took a rack of chips and just hurled it at me and hit me in the shoulder knocked me off my dealer's chair but then i i was under the table i fell and they're all gloria gloria are you all right and i'm looking and i'm seeing oh my god these are hundred dollar chips <laughs> <laughs> so i start putting them in my pocket putting, grabbing these hundred dollars before people I thought, get okay, them. Go ahead, throw money at me.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then he walked out. Oh, he just threw man. these chips and then walked out. And you never so.
0: saw him again.
1: Uh, <sighs> I did see him again. but Oh, oh come on.
0: <laughs> that, that's a perfect ending to that story. You but,
1: but you know what? I, I, I made a lot of extra money that night. Let's put it that way. <laughs>
0: Oh man, <laughs> the things we do to get to to the places that we need to go.
1: That's right. <laughs>
0: so okay, so before we get to talking a little bit about Airbnb specifically, I want to talk about the thing that got in the way of Airbnb, and that was the the sag after strike. That I love to get opinions from people that are in the industry, and, and maybe opinions is the wrong word, but just the experience, the life experience of what it was to have to deal with this in the process of trying to get your stuff out there and make it happen. What, what was that like?
1: Well, it was incredibly frustrating and, and somewhat heartbreaking. And prior to the strike, I must go back a bit because we shot this thing during COVID. So that we had to postpone our shooting schedule for a year because of COVID and then we couldn't postpone anymore. COVID was still happening and we decided to up our budget and just keep everyone on set, basically in a bubble mm-hmm. and feed them incredibly delicious meals, which I prepared, mm-hmm. I'm also a chef. Yeah. So, um, and that's another story, but uh, but so, uh, That was one hurdle for this, and and it it created a lot of challenges. One of our uh, ADs couldn't come out. Our AD couldn't come out because there was illness and because of COVID, and so people had to wear a few different hats for a couple weeks. Um, Jumping to our release date, which was October 3rd, that happened, of course, as you just said, during the strike, and We couldn't talk about it. We couldn't. And as an independent, we had gotten we got distribution. We had the premiere, as I said, in um, February. We all of our papers and deals were done, but we couldn't name the platforms. We couldn't. I couldn't. I've turned down about 20 interviews. Um, So that was you couldn't talk about it. It was like, oh, my gosh, we did this. It just it just felt like uh, like you were left at the starting gate. And the train had take you know, and it, it it that the race had started, and you were left behind. It was a it was a scary feeling because as a producer, you know, we have I realized the importance of making sure that our investors get their money back. So we all started to say, okay, well, it won't be too long, and you know, but the, and we had to obey the strike. I wasn't going to not obey the strike. Uh, it was an important strike. So. Um, I'm grateful that it got, you know, taken care of before January because um, it. Now we're. I think that it, since it only, it just happened in October, we dropped. We've been able to kind of make up for a little bit, but that was incredibly difficult. I couldn't go to any film festivals. No inner nothing. Couldn't you know? And I'm I'm not the only one. A lot of. Filmmakers couldn't do that. Uh, But I think it's especially heartbreaking for an indie filmmaker because we rely so much on ourselves to do a lot of the legwork. So we don't have a big studio backing us or doing our publicity for us, you know. So it was challenging, definitely challenging.
0: So that's kind of also something I was was curious about because, you know, again, as a consumer – uh, on on the on this side of the divide where we just get to see the finished product and occasionally we get to see news stories uh, about the things that happen and th- th- it's going to paint everything in a very specific color so we see we often see in especially in the sag after thing that you know these large studios just you know making it so difficult for the individual writers and actors to be able to make the living they need to make but my question is as a producer trying to get money you're not always dealing you're not dealing with the people that are being labeled the villains Here in this, you're dealing with the, I mean, you're, you're dealing with people that are getting, getting the funds that you need to, to make the film. But I have to, I have to imagine that it's a slightly different animal, that it's maybe not what people expect that it is. What, what is it like to try and get the funding to put a project like this out?
1: Well, it's difficult. I mean, you know, especially when you don't always have gigantic recognizable names. Uh, I'm talking gigantic like Margot Robbie yeah. or you know um, or Denzel Washington or Viola Davis you know right. um, so that's that's challenging because they immediately say their first question is who's in it so we have to have some track record uh, within the context of our filmmaking skills. I was in it, so that was something, um, you know, it's, it's, you just try to use as much leverage as you possibly can because we also, this was not a huge, huge budgeted film. So uh, there's a lot to consider, but when they read the script and they like the script, that's hopefully when they'll jump on board if any of those other boxes, Are not being checked for them so if people know my work and they you know they like the role that i'm going to be playing then they're they're inclined to give money Um, if they like the script and they want to be a part of that storytelling um, this particular film has a nice some some nice storylines for women all three of the women in it so that was something um and so that, that that's it, it, it's always challenging, but never, but not impossible. Like I said, um, it appears there's something that appeals to someone that wants to help make a film get made.
0: I have to assume that some of it too is on the production side, you start to establish relationships with oh, people you've worked with. They trust you, they know yes. that you're not going to bring them something that is just. Not good.
1: Right. And and our uh my brother, writer-director Robert Mann has a great track record and he has a lot of integrity. Um the company that he founded, Manatee Films, which helped to produce this, uh Airbnb, um, has a good track record and uh we give our investors back their money. And that's the bottom line. I mean, and so that's important. Oh yeah. And so uh, they'll give you money again if you, if you're, if you do that and continue and continue to have integrity around the work and know that you're going to be putting out a quality project right. and the actors are going to be great. And we had, especially on this, just an exceptional team. Les, Les Goldman was one of our main producers. Um, Dan Harris, just, just really um, just a solid solid support team as as a producing team and when you start there you can really go far and you can um get a quality cast and get then the rest of the crew just kind of falls into place because then they want to work with you and they want to be a part of it so
0: casting is key that's uh i've i've talked uh with my co-host about that we in our movie reviews where we overly <laughs> analyze uh things to the point of ridiculousness uh to me that that the writing is good but the 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 casting if you don't have the right group it doesn't matter what you've got it's just going to fall why do you, why
1: do we go to see a movie yeah. we go to see denzel or we go to see you know octavia spencer or you know i mean well, or Francis th- McDormand.
0: Maybe the name that brings us in, but it, to me, it's all about the embodiment. If I can't, if I can't feel that connection, that chemistry between between the people that are trying to bring the story to life, right? It's just, it's just kind of well. <laughs> That's true,
1: and 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 like you said, certain you get to track records, and people know your work. Yeah. And so I'm grateful that people want to see my work. So as soon as something drops, mm-hmm. there's there are people that, you know, mm-hmm. so that that feels good. And um, uh, I'm grateful that I. I mean, I really do try to do my best work at all times yeah. on every level. So um, they, I'm not going to ask someone to be a part of something that I don't feel I'm bringing my highest quality and my A game to. So. Sorry.
0: All right, one final question related to the strike specifically before we get into the meat uh into the meat of the film itself. Now that the dust has basically settled and the 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 things are looking like they're going back basically to normal, do you think that the agreements that were pinned down were favorable? Were they what is it what was needed or it was is it, is it good enough for now?
1: Uh, that's a tough question. And I think it, uh, depending on who you ask in the industry, uh, actors, you'll get different responses. Um, I th- I was grateful that we came to the agreement because we needed to get to back to work. Right. Um, and that's that's a reality, people need to pay their mortgages and they need to work. So for now, um, I'll go out on a limb and I'll say, for now. (laughs) I mean, I believe that it can always change, but um, that was a necessary strike for what was at stake. There was a lot at stake and I applaud the leadership for how they handled it, everybody, all of us that, you know, walk the lines and it was not easy to do that and to stay, wake up every morning and get these emails from SAG. This is where the strike, uh, of places are today and this is where you get your swag and i was wearing my strike hat every single day and people would say oh i like that i like your hat and i'd say yeah <laughs> i wish i didn't have to wear it i mean it's so strange the real what the reality was yeah the swag looks really cool you know it was bl- sag black and yellow swag but, but the, the, the reality is that a lot we were out of work and we couldn't promote and so to answer your question, I will say that I'm glad it's over and I'm glad they were able to reach the agreement that they reached because I know that that was not easy. So yeah. um, there was a I, I think there's a miraculous I, I don't use that word lightly, but there was a miraculous element to it if you if you get my
0: I, I know exactly meaning. where you're coming from. Yeah. I was about to like, do you like my new hat? It is both stylish and inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. sighs> oh, well tell me about rb and i'm getting i'm getting suspense thriller vibes i'm getting uh uh a little bit of not last girl standing sort of thing but you know that kind of uh kind of fight fight for your life impression tell me a little bit about the film
1: well rb is a film about uh, uh a wealthy couple um Ryan Davies is my brother. I'm his uh, older, overprotective sister. He's married to a younger woman named Mia. And they decide to go uh, for, to celebrate their first wedding anniversary uh, to upstate to an Airbnb. And they stop at my house on the way Because he's just gotten out of the hospital due to an an ulcer, he's a very type A, overworks, um, you know, makes a lot of money, and so at the beginning of the film he stops at my house and I'm giving him supplements and saying, "Make sure you take this and make sure you call me," and you know, (laughs) and and it's obvious that I'm not a fan of that new young wife. there's that that's That's established right all right exactly a bit of finger wagging and uh more finger wagging occurs later on um in a scene between he and I but um then they get to the place and the couple that owns and operates it uh are are quite unusual. Uh, (laughs) You know, that they're you you realize they're being just a little too friendly. You know, a little too friendly, Mm. wanting to interact with them a little too much. And so there's that piece of it. Then you just see these other two characters that go in and weave in and out. And there's a voyeuristic sort of feel to it and that kind of um indicates something that's going to be happening later on i don't want to give too much away but um but it definitely is a psychological thriller has a little feel like get out um it drops those psychological hitchcockian breadcrumbs along the way Mm -hmm. which i always love to have um, sort of a north by northwest.
0: No, no, sci- no, psycho vibes in this one. Oh,
1: there's a there's a bit of a psycho vibe in there, uh, a little bit, um, slight, slight. There's a little shower scene, yeah. <laughs> but um, but so then, as the as the film progresses, um, they get themselves, and you realize that they are they're in quite a bad situation, and then um i can't get a hold of my brothers and so that makes me suspicious so i go looking for him
0: charge the rescue
1: kind of like that (laughs) i like it i like it so a little
0: yes what is it about suspense that appeals to you In, in telling a story where does that hit your need as as a as a storyteller
1: I love psychological thrillers. I love uh, I loved Hitchcock, especially. I loved Get Out. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel that that it, 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 they're usually quite smart in their storytelling, and I love the 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 uh, dropping of the breadcrumbs to follow a story because I find it very satisfying and kind of scary at the same time. And um, sometimes um, exciting, can be very exciting. And especially when, when the storyline has women uh, telling these stories um, that appeals to me, of course, Um, my character has a wonderful arc um, and, they in this particular story, women get to do things that, you know, a lot of the times they're not allowed to do. So that's that's appealing. It takes, in the a non- it takes a storytelling.
0: Takes a non traditional approach to a bit. the roles that are played. Because yes, you, you always still yeah. have to have those roles filled, but who fills them can change and how they fill them, right? Exactly.
1: You have to kind of think Linda Hamilton. Right. in, in uh for my character someone oh, yeah. so i've had a couple people say you know that they're, they're, they they're equate that character with who i the character that i play in this so um
0: <laughs> that's that's a good that's a good that, thing to be that I, I, yeah that's not bad
1: right right yeah
0: so okay well if you had to i, I know this is slightly off just just a smidge off topic, talking about um liking the 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 thriller kind of film, if you had to pick your top three thriller films, what would they be?
1: Well, I love uh, North by Northwest um get out, and i I know this sounds I really love the older ones, you know i I would say I loved Hitchcock, so I would have to say. Um, the birds
0: ah uh, yeah that's classic yeah. I, I, I i for hitchcock i was i was always a big uh, rear view window kind of ah. kind of fan but got and it, it kind of made me this this film specifically made me think of that at least in terms of um flavor i can
1: i can see that
0: uh, just trying to – we were talking about the, the, the nature of the, the bad guys in this, the, the voyeuristic side. Well, yes. having that flipped onto the viewer where you are in that position is always kind of an uncomfortable proposition to do, yes, but it's necessary. It is.
1: it is. And and I can say this without giving too much away. Um, they realize uh, after they've been there a bit that they're being videotaped.
0: Mm. So, as so long as it's Betamax, I mean, that's the. Uh,
1: <laughs> they're being ca- there's cameras on them. Yes. and a lot of I've I've talked to a lot of people recently that say that that's their work They don't stay in B and B's because of that. Exactly, they think there's there's cameras. <laughs> there's watching there's always a
0: fear of that. It's like why yes. is that doll pointed directly at the bed? Get it away! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, okay, so. If you are the um if you are the kind of you know overbearing well not overbearing, where did that come from? Overprotective overprotective, uh, yes. big sister. Um uh what uh who is the, the protagonist of the film then? Who who would you say uh, is the, the, the key?
1: Well he my brother is the protagonist, uh Ryan Davies, mm-hmm. played by Ryan Thomas. Nice. And uh so he he's, and then his wife, um, Mia Davies played by Brianna McQueenie. Um, so, and then what, and then of course the, the, the two, the care the, you know, Alex Gaelic and, um, Savannah Witten, who are the, um, the B and B owners, they have their own substory, story, yeah. which is the reason that what happens to the couple happens to them, because of their storyline. And mm-hmm. and it's actually um, the like I said, it's three women that really the, these these worlds collide and their stories collide.
0: In the process of filming, uh, since you got the training in the kickboxing, did you get to really lay into any stuntmen? In the process of <laughs>
1: No. Oh. No. The only thing that someone got to lay into me is that Savannah and I had to do this one particular scene. It's a, really a pivotal scene. And it was dangerous. Um, and she had to literally jump on my back about 40 times.
0: <laughs> jump.
1: She literally leap onto it. So that was challenging. But like I said, we had Scott Blackwood... Who was just an incredible fight choreographer. Um, and he made sure we were all safe. I mean, that's really the number one issue on set. You have to feel safe okay. at all time. So, uh, and those fight scenes were, re- you know, they were, they were real fight scenes.
0: That's, so, a of, that's a lot of fun. Yes. Okay, final question about the film specifically that I've got for you What is your favorite memory? Of putting the film together
1: oh wow of, of shooting on set you mean mm-hmm. um i would say that it was the fights the fight scene and especially when i come back i shouldn't say that but
0: You'll they'll know they'll
1: know when I see when they see it when I come back and I basically just beat the living (laughs) out of out of um, Kylo the 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 guy who owns the B and B to get to get in because I think he's got my brother there and he's lied and I feel like he's lied about it (laughs) so that was that was so satisfying and it felt great to be able to to do to actually you know follow through do this fight with him
0: absolutely all right so we always have a couple of palate cleanser questions at the end of the interview just kind of uh personality boosters at least happiness boosters for me (laughs) anyway um so let's start with uh we have a food named podcast for a reason we love food food brings people together so and you said I'm you're, off a for chef. That. you're a chef too on top yes. of this. So yes. we, we ask about the the food that most people love that brings everybody together, but yet still somehow divides us pizza. Are you a pizza person? And if so, Ab- what kind?
1: Absolutely. I am like straight up margarita. Um, you know, I that's my favorite. Just a simple margarita with a little basil.
0: Now, do you prefer homemade or is there a place that you always go to is like they make the best, they make the best pies. I gotta go there.
1: Well, I live in Rhinebeck and there is one particular place that I they are the to me, they are the best. I grew up in an Italian restaurant. My father owned restaurants. And so my first job when I was probably eleven was making pizzas in his restaurant. So yes. I I take my pizza very
0: seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, give, give them a shout out. Who is it? Oh, it's um, Il Posto. Oh, fantastic! Love it. All right. And we also talked a little about your singing earlier. Yes. Are you primarily interested in that, or is are you? Uh, do you like all sorts of music? Who are your favorite musical influences?
1: Oh gosh, I love well. From the time I started singing, Billie Holiday was probably, you know, Sarah Vaughn, Dinah Washington, um, Etta James, uh, Ella Fitzgerald. That's, those are my those great. are my top.
0: Now I'm sure you've been told that you share the name with a somewhat famous uh, pop singer from a while back by the same name, Gloria Man, right?
1: Oh yes, I heard that. I did. I've never heard her though.
0: Yeah, but she, yes. Do you know who she is? Yeah, she's a she. Well, in terms of you know notoriety, it's you know you got the the high levels like not not quite that high. She she did some covers. Hit didn't hit the. I think she hit nine number nine on the the top hundred or something like that was the highest she ever got. But still, it's kind of fun to to share a certain certain aspect. <laughs> It uh, is, yes. It's, it's, it's always good. Um, all right, so last one. I, I don't know if you're aware, you know, being uh, that, you know, it's it's kind of everywhere now, but uh, we, we talk a lot about comics and the intersection of comics with film and movies and things like that. Are you, by chance, a comic book fan at all?
1: The only comic book I <sighs> – really obsessively uh love is batman
0: Ah, good choice (laughs)
1: always have from the time i was a child i watch i go to see all the batman films
0: um so if you had the chance to play any character from batman or any other comic who would you choose well
1: catwoman would be fun now, are we talking about
0: Eartha Kitt Catwoman? Are we talking about Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman? Are we talking about some other iteration? I
1: would do Gloria
0: Mann Catwoman. Right.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: that's, that's the correct answer. <laughs> I love it. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. If our listeners want to keep you know up on the newest things that you're doing at any given time, on social media, what is the best way for them to be able to see where you're going and what you're doing?
1: I'm on Instagram at GloriaMan22. I'm also on X, aka Twitter. Twitter, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, at GloriaMan22. I have a public Facebook page
0: nice.
1: and uh, I have a website, gloriaMan.com.
0: Wonderful. So- wonderful
1: and i also my imdb page well yes i
0: mean that's that's where you got to go to see what's up and coming where we can see that's right somewhat (laughs) somewhat accurate information usually
1: (laughs) thank you so much for having me this was so fun
0: it has been great thank you so much
1: oh thank you and happy holidays
0: right back at you thank you